0: By Zoom meetings now. (laughs) You know, it's funny. I almost apologized in the email. Like, I'm so sorry. One more Zoom meeting. But at least this one is no video. You know, you can relax, you can pick your teeth, pick your nose, (laughs) yawn, look look at your phone. Although, I hope we're engaging enough that. My phone is on airplane mode. Well done
1: hmm
0: Hello, lady. Sydney Nash! Good morning. <laughs> good
1: morning. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you?
0: Good. Farley was just commenting that getting yet another Zoom invitation was, like, a little bit triggering this morning, because we've all been on 14 Zoom calls per day <laughs> since this. <laughs> Hi, Sydney. Hello. How are you? I'm good. So Farley, you've heard me talk about Sydney for almost a year, because that's when she and I met almost a year ago.
1: I have.
0: And she's like the reason you're still semi-sane. Is that correct? hundred (laughs) percent. She quickly became like a sister, friend, mother figure in my life. Oh, that's a lot of roles she does I don't, no. <laughs> I don't even know if Sydney knew she had that many roles. no, <laughs> I did not. She's meeting I, a I, lot of I, your needs I, right now. may <laughs> or may not be healthy, uh, but okay. Christine, yeah, yeah, we're both social workers we'll work it out later. okay, um, okay. Right. okay. <laughs> There's no enmeshment here. Don't worry. Um, but she is the brightest light I think I've ever met, and. Brilliant and so kind and so thoughtful and hilarious. And oftentimes, I don't get a lot of work done at the office because I'm in Sydney's office um, talking about things. And we just have the best time. So I just really felt like you needed to know her. So I that's know. why we called I her. I wanted today. to. Now, Sydney, oh, is that God. your understanding
1: of your relationship? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know I had so many roles, but I'm so honored. Thank you, Catherine. Catherine is just wonderful too. We have a mutual admiration society going, I think. I think that's I think that's true. Yeah, I think that's true. And we'd probably get a lot more work done if we worked remotely all the time, but that's okay. Because that helps us get the work done.
0: <laughs> that's right. That's right. I know we have been fortunate to collaborate um, on some actual work things. So that's been oh, weird. Um, that's been good for the organization. <laughs> I think <Yeah>. um, <laughs> they've, they've, their money has been well spent. Um, yes. Yes. So, what's but, your what's your favorite thing to talk about? What do you talk about when you're in her office? My gosh, we've really. I think there was one. I seems like you've solved some world problems, and I would like you to share those. Now. I don't know if we've solved any of them, but I feel like there was one conversation in, part- in particular, and I was in your office for like maybe two hours, and we covered a lot of ground.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we didn't solve the world, but we talked about how we would solve the world. If we That's were right. What's fun
0: about talking about the world's problems is that Sydney and I are very different in some ways and very similar in other ways. Sydney, I want to hear what you think about that. Like why, why our conversations are so fun and rich? That was a, that was a leading question. Sydney, how do you (laughs) experience your
1: conversations? (laughs) (laughs) You know, one thing I think the reason that they are so rich is I don't, I think both of us, kind of speak from our hearts and I don't think we have like I mean we're respectful to each other and all that, but if we disagree about something, I think we we respect each other enough to say, you know, why we do or don't disagree about it. And we just speak from our hearts. And I think Catherine is just brilliant and so creative. And so I love talking to her about and getting her opinions about everything oh well thank you so, yeah, I so yeah I I'm we, we just
0: yeah the conversations it's sort of like our our differences sort of fall away in some ways but also we both have you know really distinct backgrounds and just different perspectives on things and so we're learning from one another and that, and what I love about our friendship is just it's, it's like what I actually think could solve the world is that, I mean, granted mm-hmm. our political ideologies and sort of like moral compass are very similar, I think, but mm-hmm. um, I remember, so there was one conversation that we talked about, which I just thought was fascinating where um, my husband had recently gotten a promotion, his second in and like a, a, an accompanying raise. And this was like his second or third race since he started at the organization. Go Ian, go Ian. Which is great for Ian, but the conversation was actually about, I came in and I was telling Sydney this, and I said, you know, we've been joking, like must be nice to be a white man. And then it got to be a real conversation and how you said to me, Sydney, that, you know, different than your husband ian has to live with that like living being a white man and and benefiting from so much privilege that he has been given and he fortunately is very aware of that privilege so can walk through life with with a lens but it's it's a lens that i will never understand and you will never understand and that you know what you how you kind of see that situation is different and right. And that just really struck me in a way of like, yeah, I haven't had that that experience of of thinking about it in that way that like Ian, the white man with privilege, has to has to hold that
1: right. right. yeah, I, I do remember that. And yeah, I mean, the, you know that's the other great thing about our conversations is that we both have extremely different lived experiences. And so we have a different, we come to everything with a different lens. Mm-hmm. And so when when Catherine mentioned that, I mean, yeah, that was, it was not shocking, but it was like, okay, well, that's not my experience. That's not my husband's experience. And for the most part, it's nobody's experience that I know. And um, yet at the same time, Catherine and Ian are so aware that they were aware enough to realize, yeah, that's not most people's experience and so Mm -hmm. that's you know a burden if you will too that that he has to live with and so it's it's very interesting um all of the lenses we have and you know one person thinking someone else else's life is one way and they don't really understand it and so we spent a long time talking about that but that too informs our work and the work we do uh as social workers and working in social work education so it's it's all very helpful.
0: And you also have this amazing experience of being a mom to one of the most talented children uh I think that exists um so (laughs) Farley other moms might think differently but (laughs) well true but I can say (laughs) they're wrong they're wrong um so sydney started talking about her son amiri obviously she's a doting mother so very early early on and i my fondness for amiri has continued to grow even though i have actually never met amiri in person but this past week our team at work has been doing zoom coffee dates just to check in with one another and not talk about work things but just you know connect with other humans and Sydney's amazingly talented son, who's a senior in high school, gave us a mini piano recital for our morning coffee. Oh my gosh. Date, yes. And I called Ian over, being a musician, and afterwards, I didn't even tell you this, Sydney, Ian was like, he's really good. I like, I know, that's, that's Amiri. That's our Amiri. <laughs> That's impressive. I mean, uh, first of all, a teenage boy awake for a work coffee hour is pretty impressive.
1: (laughs) Yeah, he's, he's a, I mean, I am a doting mother, but he's a different kid. He's a different kid. He, um, he was awake, very awake. He wakes up before (laughs) I do actually, Um, which is (laughs) different for a teenager. And he is also, he doesn't only play piano, but he, only plays classical piano which surprises so right. many people um because he's he's a black boy and he looks like just to me your average black teenage kid he's got the kind of tall hair and he you know dresses just not grungy because he's not that's not his style but he is nothing like that would say like no button down shirts and Right. And lasers and all that. Nothing that would say, oh, this is a classical pianist. And when he sits down at the piano, you know, he just belts out classical piano. And oh. it's pretty, he's pretty amazing. And the other thing is, he has no intentions of being a classical pianist.
0: <laughs> right. This ah. is like a side hustle.
1: For the- <laughs> not, <laughs> not interested at all.
0: <laughs> Which is such a shame because he really is he really is amazing. And I will add to the to the dress comment. I believe at the concert on Thursday morning, he was wearing basketball shorts and like a t shirt and maybe some socks. Yes.
1: <laughs> so it was like, I no, he, he was socks. barefoot. Yeah. Oh, he was barefoot. Okay. Oh, because yep. yeah. in the pedal with no, yep. you know, just bare feet.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it was it was an awesome, just beautiful scene. Um, and then this I love that. Mm-hmm. I love seeing yeah unexpected culture mashups like that I think that is so hopeful and and beautiful and and it's one of the things I love about New York I feel like Mm -hmm. we see that a lot in New York just because people from all over the place are here doing all sorts of crazy stuff and you, you just see the I don't know like 12-year-old white girl playing drums in the subway like on buckets or whatever Mm -hmm. yes right there's something there's something so right about this or the the you know um african-american teenage boy playing classical piano in his bare feet for a bunch of like women i'm assuming over coffee on zoom like that's that's right that's hope (laughs) for the world right there and
1: and you know it it is it is and yet at the same time (laughs) and the flip side of it it's kind of a burden for him
0: Mm -hmm. because
1: he's the the expectations are never there for him when people first see him and for instance Mm -hmm. wherever we travel I don't care where we go whether it's international travel or domestic travel He finds a piano, and he finds a piano Mm -hmm. store if he can. And he walks in always, and people, you know, generally, they're usually white males, but sometimes Mm -hmm. white females, occasionally Asian or Asian American females. And, you know, the first question is, can I help you? And, you know, he's always like, no, I just want to play piano. And Mm. so people just say, okay. And they totally ignore us. Like Mm -hmm. sometimes we walk in a piano store, no one says hello, totally ignore us. And he walks over to a piano and just starts playing. And I kid you not, everyone in the store comes over and they're like, oh my gosh, Mm -hmm. you said you could play piano but I didn't expect this. And it's like, wow. It's like, thank you and and also, ouch, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's gotten to the point now where mm. he gets a kick out of doing it. So, like, Good. Good. Let's go, let's back go to the, the piano store. Yeah. Let's go to the piano store and show yeah. these people. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, there are always, you know, mm. two ways to look at it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. He's gotten, mm. he's gotten used to it, which is mm-hmm. something I hate that he has to get used to. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yes. It it bothers me so much. I spend many waking nights wondering, you know, how my child will fare in the world and Mm -hmm. knowing that people see him differently.
0: And it's not only from learning from conversations you and I have had, obviously your awareness of this and your worry from when he was an infant knowing what he Mm -hmm. could Mm -hmm. experience in the world, but then also witnessing Amiri's witnessing of this, like of learning oh, this is how I'm seen in the world. Um, And and that's painful.
1: It is very painful. It is very painful. Mm -hmm. Since the moment he was Mm -hmm. born, I've worried about it. I've talked a lot about it with a lot of people. and um, As he's gotten older, Mm -hmm. the worries have turned into um, just more empowerment lessons for him. And Mm -hmm. he's, He's getting it, and unfortunately, he's living it and seeing it. And so it's tough. It's it's so tough, and it, it hurts so much. And yet out of that, there is this brilliant, talented, funny, wonderful, handsome young man. I don't, I try not to call him a kid anymore. He just turned 18. so yeah. <laughs> He's always your baby though. We yeah, he, he, he will always be my, my baby. But when I'm referring to him, I try to call <laughs> him.
0: <laughs> Age appropriate language. Yeah, exactly. exactly.
1: <laughs> so well, that's my part young of the empowerment too. I mean, right? that's words true. That we use matter. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And you know, there's fear with that. Like when he was a little boy, I could protect him. Mm-hmm. And when something happened, I, you know, I was the one that could step in. Well, he's 18 now. And unfortunately I had to have that conversation with him. Like you're 18 now and the world views you a- as an adult. And so when something happened, if the police stop you, which mm-hmm. inevitably will happen and has happened, you're not, you can't say, you can't talk to me. You know, I have to call my mom and now, you know, you have to know your rights and be able to deal with it until they will allow you to call your mom or your dad or the lawyer whose number we've given you. Oh my God, it's tough. But like, it's there, I mean, there's joy in it all. It's this mm. joy, just having him as much as, as he can, he'll be okay.
0: I really want, I really <laughs> want to meet
1: him. <laughs> yes. Well, now with all this, I don't. We just have to wait so long, but it will happen. It will.
0: Just to give Sydney even more props, Farley, she homeschooled Amiri until high school. Is that right, Sydney? Yeah. yeah until high right. school. And he got in early acceptance to Brown. So he'll be going to Brown this fall, maybe okay. virtually, but. Okay. <laughs> yeah. We, we hope know. not. We hope yeah, not. He may not be going anywhere, <laughs> <laughs> but he was accepted at Brown. He's gonna, oh, gosh. wow
1: well congratulations
0: that's a huge oh
1: thank you thank you he did he's very self-directed and he did a lot of it on his own I mean of course we helped him when he asked for help but he did a lot of it on his own he's um he's a very social person and he loves to network and so I say he networked himself right in there did what he needed to do. (laughs) So yeah, he's, he's excited. He's happy. We think it's a good place for him.
0: So uh, kind of in line with that, how, how has been moving to virtual life been for you and your family?
1: It's been fine. I mean, I think having homeschooled him really prepared us for being together a lot. Mm. (laughs) because there are so many parents i know that are struggling they're like oh my goodness i can't believe i have to stay home with my kids and yeah you know it's just second nature to us because we did it so long um so yeah it's it's just second nature we we know how to get along in the house together so uh and he's 18 and a senior so he he knows what to do and he knows the work right. he has to do and how he has to do it and what needs to be done. And he, he's really, really in control of himself and yeah. his situation. So, and I think homeschooling helped with that. I mean, he, when he was homeschooled, he had to be very independent and he had to do what he needed to do. And so he, this is second nature to him. There are so many, have <laughs> so many parents contacting me how did you homeschool? What do we do? How do we do this? This is so tough. Um, and a lot of people are turning to homeschoolers to find out what oh, should funny. we be doing. It is, yes. It <laughs>
0: this really is your fun. moment. I know. I, I know. Exactly. You gotta write that book really fast. Yeah.
1: <laughs> my, um, the woman who's my homeschool mentor who uh, actually helped me start homeschooling and she's like the homeschooling guru has been in so many news articles this last couple of weeks. Oh, wow. All wow. over the country, yeah, telling folks how to do it. So, yeah, it's our time to shine. <laughs>
0: it is. <laughs> I don't know if you've had this experience, Cindy, but a friend of mine who we've had on on the podcast, Catherine Sands, um, she and her family live in Hawaii, and she has a, a I think he's four, five, four. Four, four now. Her four-year-old son and she is an artist and so she has worked from home all of her son's life and is an incredible mother and, and very in tune with nature and being outside. And so she's she's done these awesome adventures with her son, you know, mm-hmm. since since he was little. And he while he goes to school now in Hawaii to his little day school, that the school's been shut down and so he's back home with her and she was kind of laughing because she was saying, I'm finally getting validation for everything I've been doing for four yeah. years, which right. is like, oh my gosh, it's amazing. How how do you do this? And what do you do all day? And Catherine's just saying, this is second nature. And I, I can think that. of nothing more joyful than being with my child all day and exploring the world through his eyes. Yeah. And so it's just, it's interesting hearing her perspective of seeing all of this, you know, some of the jokes about, okay, you know, like, okay, I'm going crazy. My kids are nuts. You know, what do we do? They're all sitting in front of the TV. And and I understand that. And it's, it's really challenging for people who are making this big shift, but, but there's, there's a little bit of a cut in there for, at least for her of like, this is what I've been doing. And where Mm -hmm. have you been? And, and now, now you're seeing that it's a cool thing that I, have been at home and being a mom.
1: Absolutely. And I think that's what homeschoolers are feeling. Mm -hmm. Um, My friend that I mentioned, my mentor, she has two children. One is 19. No, one just turned 20 and one is 13. And she homeschooled, she's still homeschooling, of course, the 13 year old, but she homeschooled her 20 year old all through school. He's now in college and she is you know finally saying, "Wow, now people are turning to me, like right. traditional schoolers are turning to me for advice that I never thought I'd see this day, right. And I have so many homeschool friends that are saying the same thing, and like I said, so many traditional schoolers are calling me like, How in the world did you do this? <laughs> what do I do next? you know and yeah, so I never thought I'd see the day either uh, <laughs> gave us, uh, They gave us so much grief, it's like oh yeah. my god that's terrible how can you do that aren't you don't you think your kid needs to be socialized and oh all these you know really horrible things people would say to us and right. it was a family choice it was a lifestyle for us there were many reasons we decided to do it not just one uh one of which our child was a um dancer and an actor and it just fit better with his schedule. And the other thing was my husband traveled a lot for work. And so we got to travel all around with him. And it just worked right. for our family. And I, mm-hmm. I told people, look, it's not for everybody, but right. it for our family. And so it is second nature to us. I mean, mm-hmm. Amir homeschooled for eight years and he's only been in traditional school. This is his fourth year. And so he was homeschooled longer than he was in traditional school.
0: Mm-hmm. Right, right. Yeah. I'm like maybe so can we just it's, it's, stop judging other people's
1: choices. Exactly. Just, exactly. Seriously, that's that's what I always said to people. Just you know, let me do me, you do you, and <laughs> we we can all get along. And we know. really can. We really can. There's room enough for everybody to be who they want to be.
0: I'm so curious about i mean i think we there's a lot of judging that goes on in general but in particular with moms or caregivers judging other caregivers <laughs> on how they're raising from the moment the child is born and this is my soapbox oh, for before a moment probably well, but, certainly before before yeah <laughs> but i i've seen some posts we have a lot of friends just because of the time in our life, having babies. And I am encouraged by women speaking more about their experience in giving birth. However, I've seen like, there's so much judgment in how people post about giving birth. And when I see someone post, I had a natural childbirth Mm. as as an invitation
1: for accolade. Oh, sure. It's like a badge of honor. Like, yes. I did it's it. like, yeah, I did it and you didn't do it. so, so And you didn't do it. You? So
0: I'm, I'm, I'm a step ahead because I've had a yeah. natural childbirth. It's like, unless you're birthing a puppy, it's a natural childbirth. If you are, if they, an unnatural childbirth. Yeah, that would be natural. Um <laughs> if, if a human comes out of another human, that is natural and miraculous. <laughs> so,
1: it, it not is out, miraculous. out of your head, like, not, and not out of your ear or something. Or
0: something. <laughs> something. Totally. Um, so I'm just. I'm just really, I'm over that, and and I think we've seen this resurgence of what it actually is, which is vaginal birth without medication, right? And okay, that's great that people are interested in in having children that way. Um, and I'm totally, you know, a big fan of the woman body and that we're able to to birth <laughs> all children. All in favor? All in, all in favor of favor. <laughs> and there's lots of different ways to birth a child and so i just want to like shout out to every well, every person who is birthing a child that like you're doing a great job however absolutely. you're doing that you absolutely you you've done that so in thinking So then we've got this judgment on how children are being born. And my mom, even, I was having this conversation with her recently, and she said from when she was pregnant with Farley and even in the hospital, they were pushing for her to have a vaginal birth without medication. and. She, she kind of got indoctrinated with, with that. And so then when she had a complicated birth with Farley, she felt so much shame for having to right, take medication. Right. And so then it just, the
1: whole situation is appalling. But it, it, um, it, it, it's crazy. And then when, you know, when I was born back in the early 60s, um, my mom said women were thought of as like, something is wrong with you if you don't use medication. Right when I was born, everybody used medication, and they thought right. it was horrible if you didn't. Like, what is wrong with you? Why wouldn't you use medication? So, I mean, we're always mm. judging each other. Yeah. Um, I also wanted to say, and, and taking it a step further, we're not ju- we're only not only judging, of course, how you have your baby, but it's more too about how you even became a mother. Mm-hmm. So, um, Amir, my husband and I adopted Amiri as an infant, and so people judge, you know, pe- adoptive moms, you know, that's not your real child and uh, something, ah. you know, it, it's just all craziness. It's, it's all about, you know, motherhood in general. Like, yes. you're not really a mother unless you had a vaginal birth without medication.
0: So Sydney, I, like, what's your, what's your philosophy? I mean, Catherine and I might be mothers one day or be like mothers. Like, how, how have you dealt with with that for all of Amiri's life including the homeschool
1: and um... yeah I've always been like um going against the grain huh (laughs) which (laughs) is like the story of my life yeah um, Yeah. yeah, I I own it though I mean I I I own that and that just you know that's who I am and the way I do things so it I mean it can be difficult it's you know people don't don't appreciate all of the different roles that we all play and I am I mean I say motherhood is not about whether you gave birth to someone Mm -hmm. Um, it has more to do with even mother you know mothers that don't live with children it's about how you nurture uh, a young person um, how much time you spend with that person in helping them grow from childhood or through the different life stages from childhood into adulthood uh, so it, it, it's less about who gave birth and at what point you adopted them. I mean, there's in the adoption world, there's this whole rift between those that adopt as infants and those that adopt older children. I oh, right. Right, it's always- Why there. do you do that? Social workers, why- Right. Why, <laughs> how, what possible evolutionary purpose does that serve? But what purpose does, well, you know, think about it. It, it kind of serves a purpose in the sense that we as human beings we have always wanted to one-up the other mm-hmm. human beings and so this is i mean we need to stop it but this is <laughs> you know a part of human nature like we right. always want to be better than someone else um, and some cultures do it differently than others um, and there's some cultures that don't do it as much but it's, it's kind of human nature uh, so yeah, there's always, I mean, we laugh, um, we talked about Amiri getting into Brown, and, and Brown is an Ivy League school, and even among the Ivy Leagues, there's like, which Ivy is better? It's like, come on, you guys. <laughs> like, really? They're Ivy League schools, like, only a handful of people in the whole world get in them. What difference, do we really care, like, which one is better? Like, how do you even determine that? Like, sit free. Yeah. I mean, first of all, it's, it's college. Like that's right, a right privilege in and of itself. <laughs> that's right. <laughs>
0: so, oh my. So God.
1: then we, oh uh, yeah. So we we always want to do that. And so with motherhood, there's no. And the the American culture is so uh competitive and so individualistic mm-hmm. in that that's what creates and feels that. If we were more collective. It would be about helping each other and honoring each other in every space and you know honoring people for whatever they do and we just don't live in that culture which i'd like to live in I know. <laughs> <laughs> me, me too where do we go i mean and there are, you know we, we have to create them like um mm. when amiri was was an infant i joined a group uh, called mocha moms and is a group of a group started by some african-american women who were new mothers but they were also um they had been in professional fields and when they left their professions and decided to stay home for whatever length of time with their children many stayed home until the child went to traditional school um but when they made that decision, the world shunned them. Oh, why are you wasting your degree? You know, you were a lawyer and now all you're going to do is stay home. And so they formed this group to support each other. Um, and it was a collective group, you know, and initially there was no, no desire to shame, no desire to divide, divide each other. They were just supposed to be a collective group. They grew and grew and grew, and now there are chapters all over the world. Wow. So each chapter works a little differently. I happen to join um, a chapter in the southern part of D.C., um, and it is truly a collective. We are still, many of us, friends. Our kids are now 18, 19, 20 years old, and we're still friends. They're some of my dearest friends who have helped me along not only the homeschooling journey, but the motherhood journey. And um it's truly wonderful. Our group happens to be a group of moms that are very eclectic. Some of us have two and three degrees, only God knows why. And then <laughs> some, of, some people don't have a degree. Um, so, it, you know, we're a very eclectic mix. That's where I met my homeschool mentor. We decided as a group that we would be that collective that didn't judge, we support each other. And so, you have to create that you know because mm-hmm. we don't live in a society where it's encouraged mm-hmm. you have to
0: like it's a little subversive and really local
1: yeah i when i'm in that group it's just i can relax and totally bb and then you know we get the support and energy we need from that group to face the rest of the world that <laughs> beats, a, oh, beats right. us up a lot <laughs> <laughs> Mm-hmm. and so
0: it's there like people people some people want to live in a non- non-judgmental space mm-hmm. and i mean i i certainly do and i of course notice when i'm becoming judgmental which happens because i'm a human right. and as is the bottom line for so many things that come up when we have these calls is like, you've got to own your shit and look at yourself. Like you have yes. to be mindful enough to notice when you're saying, Oh, I'm starting to get judgmental. Hmm. Wonder what that's about. Probably not about that other person. That's definitely about me. Right. Um, <laughs> so you've, I can imagine continuing with the mom example, when a person becomes a new mother and new caregiver it's a very scary, vulnerable, unknown place. And so one of our human instincts is in, in the face of fear or vulnerability, we become aggressive. And some of that aggressiveness is, or aggression is channeled as judgment. And so it helps deflect the scary feeling we're feeling inside and, and gives us that boost up of like, oh, well, at least I'm better than that other person. And so, if we can break all of that down and make it okay to be vulnerable and
1: scared, I, I feel like that would help. Right. To just in, in that space to own the vulnerability and let others know, mm-hmm. um, which is challenging because mm-hmm. society, society isn't kind to those people that show their vulnerability. No. And so we, we don't want to do that because we don't know, you know, to what extent unkindness will rear its ugly head. Well, I'm glad,
0: glad we solved that. <laughs> so, so Fantastic. <laughs> Be kind.
1: Be kind. <laughs> Be kind. Yes. <laughs>
0: oh, Be
1: kind. I always try to, I don't know if this is the social worker in me or, you know, just what I've learned over the years, but. I just always try to put myself in somebody else's shoes. Like, I don't know what that person had to go through to get where they are, to get to the point they're at, or what they had to endure to make X, Y, and Z happen. And so I try to, you know, when I find myself starting to be judgy, I try to step back and say, okay. Sydney, stop. You don't know what's going on with that person. You only know what you see right here and right now.
0: I love that. And it's a good reminder to just take a pause. This I feel like is Mm -hmm. my life's work is to take more pauses. As we've heard, I I can tend to get a little manic and, and (laughs) probably with my words and with cleaning out, the kitchen and breaking (laughs) things Um, but what what would that pause gift to me and so seeing it as as something I'm I'm gifting to myself might might help yeah I see too the connection between judgment of others and Mm self-judgment so we're really good at judging other people but as you were suggesting, like we judge ourselves probably more harshly. And so the internal work of letting go of fear and scarcity for our own worth would probably loosen up a lot of our judgment of other people, sort of judgmentally, ironically. I see that in other people, people who demonize other, other groups or other people or other choices. It isn't about the other people. It's about their own... Mm-hmm. Insecurity
1: and not being not feeling enough. Yeah, I find that too, that usually those that do judge others uh harshly judge themselves really harshly as well. And they aren't secure in who they are. Um and it, it may not even be an overall thing. It it could be situational, like you know, they aren't secure in being a mother, so they judge of a mother partially or mm-hmm. they aren't secure in being a teacher, so they judge other teachers partially or, so we yeah, need so much so therapy. <laughs> Everyone just collective and individual therapy. That's right.
0: That's yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, we're coming up um on that time where we all get to go nowhere. Turn off. <laughs> we get to turn off Zoom for the day. Please, God,
1: oh, gosh. go into the
0: other room. What a right! What a treat.
1: Okay. <laughs> well, my uh cherry trees in my front yard are blooming. And oh, so I think, think I'll go sit on the porch and look at my cherry trees. <laughs> <laughs> wow,
0: beautiful. that sounds beautiful. Back, beautiful. back
1: to basics time. Yeah, exactly. Right.
0: That's a good That's thing. Right. Well, I'm so glad you got to be on our call today, Sydney, and that you got Yay. to virtually meet Farley.
1: Yay, I'm glad too. Nice to meet you, Farley. Nice talking to you guys. Thanks for having me.
0: Thanks. Awesome. Well, enjoy the cherry trees, and we will awesome. talk soon, and I'll probably see you on Zoom next week. See you on Zoom. Okay, you guys,
1: stay safe. Right, too. Too. Bye. Right. Bye. Bye. Bye.